Yeah, I know. We're totally late. But I got a really, really good excuse. So you have to forgive me. It's uh, 6 o'clock-ish in Los Angeles, 9 o'clock-ish in New York, across America, 2 p.m.-ish in London Town, 7.30-ish in Mumbai, India, 11 p.m.-ish in Kyoto, Japan, and in Malaysia, there's no doubt about it, it's 1927. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Yes, I know. I know I'm late. Forgive me. I'm sure your day will get on perfectly well. In spite... Hey, look, I don't have any lag tonight in my headset. Thank God. Okay, what was I doing? I was having dinner. But not just any dinner. I went out with uh, Juan Hosmer and his amazing wife, Ray, and we had the most incredible Japanese dinner tonight. Thank you so much, Arigato gozaimashita. Uh, really wonderful, wonderful dinner. And if you don't know, Juan is the creator of uh, No Straight Roads. And uh, he had a gift to give to me and a little business for us to take care of, too, uh, in return. But uh, I want to say a huge thank you. And I know I'm going to mess your name up. But uh, Samejimachi, I hope I said that right. But take a look at this. That. Cliff. This is Cliff from No Straight Roads. This is the character that I do the voice for. I'm sorry, there's a lot of glare there. And on the back, check it out. That's me. There we go. Let's see. Let's get it out of the glare. There we go. You can see a little better. It's a little blown out. But this is absolutely incredible. An amazing keychain of my character, Cliff. From, uh, from No Straight Roads. And believe it or not, in all this time, I never got a copy of the game. So now I have a copy of the game, No Straight Roads. So thank you so much. Arigatou gozaimashita. And uh, wow, it was an amazing Japanese dinner. We, uh, I had not met Ray before, but uh, really glad that uh, we had the chance to do that and got together. And uh, thank you so much. And uh, Yeah, they are headed off for uh, Japan starting next week. So, wow, what an adventure. All right. So that's why I was late. Actually, I got back about 9.15 or so, but I had a little business to take care of and and some things to prepare. But we made it, nevertheless. And that's okay that it was kind of weird starting the show, because this is a show about weird stuff. Yes, we have Tom Sawyer coming up at the end of once we're through talking about all the weird stuff. But um, as I go through between streams, uh, I find stuff that I think, oh, I'd like to talk about that. So I bookmark it and I have a whole file folder full of stuff. Some I use right away the next show and some I save for later because they're kind of timeless. Uh, But there's always one topic is something that is maybe a little controversial, something that kind of ticks me off, something I have a strong opinion about. And this last few days since Wednesday's stream. Oh, by the way, see my shirt tonight? Saya Anak Malaysia. Yeah, I wish. I kind of am. Kind of. Anyway, uh, when I went through the collection of what I wanted to talk about tonight, nothing stood out. 
The only thing that stood out was that it's all weird stuff. So, the thumbnail. Just weird stuff. <laughs> Something that's not so weird, however, is this little lady. Miko update. Oh, yeah. Miko update. Of course, we can't go through a show without... Wait a minute, where am I? Oh, now I'm back. We can't go through a show without a Miko update, so we've got a little bit of that for you. Not too much to update. This is actually the door outside of my studio. You can you can see uh, some of the soundproof material here, and that's the rug outside that she loves sleeping on. So, uh, yeah, that was her, uh, and there's some close-ups for you if you want an update on how she's doing. She's doing great. She's being a little finicky about her eating lately, but uh, she is fantastic as always, so thank you for asking. And I always get messages. How's Miko? Nobody cares about me. They only care about Miko. How's Miko? <laughs> it's okay. I completely understand. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we do have a bunch of stuff to get to tonight. And, of course, we will be getting to uh, Tom Sawyer. That'll be coming up, and uh, so be sure you check that out. Among the many strange things we found to talk about tonight is this one. Time travel. Uh, we've talked about time travel before. Time travel has been accomplished. I kid you not. This is from physics-astronomy.com. There's a link in our show notes to everything we talk about tonight. You can read the whole article yourself. I encourage you to do that. And uh, check out the, the stuff that we talk about. And this is the first one. Physics-astronomy.com Scientists have successfully sent a particle back in time using a quantum computer. Zane, Hello! Ha. Welcome into the stream, Zane. Watching over there on Facebook. Good to uh, good to see you. All right, thanks for checking it out. Be sure you hit that follow button. If you're on YouTube, it's subscribe. It's all free. Anyway, yes, it's only a particle. It's a little teeny tiny particle. But no matter how small, they have actually sent it back in time using a quantum computer. Time travel was fiction before Einstein, but his calculations took us into the quantum world, and we were introduced to a more complex picture of time. Einstein's equation permitted time travel into the past, as Kurt Godin, Godel discovered. The issue is that none of the hypothesized time travel systems were ever physically feasible. So before we sent a particle back through time, the Argonne National Laboratory, Moscow Institute of Physics and Technology, and ETH Zurich scientists wondered, why stick to physical grounds? Physics laws treat the future and the past as continuous, and we're stuck on that timeline going through it. A closed system progresses from order to disorder, according to the second rule of thermodynamics, or entropy. I know, it's a little scientific, but stay with me. We're not going to do the whole article. In other words, if you scramble an egg to make an omelet, you've added a lot of chaos 
to the closed system that was an egg. Simple way of explaining it, but it's rather clear. The arrow of time is essentially a consequence of the second law, a process that develops entropy, like whisking an egg, is irreversible. Once you've whisked the egg, you can't put it back together again. Billiard balls won't spontaneously resemble a triangle once you've done the break. Hey, there's Miko. She's doing well. <laughs> uh, so anyway, entropy, like an arrow, goes in one direction, through time, from the future, from the past to the future. Now, this goes on and explains everything, but basically, they were able to using qubits, simulate subatomic particles in a four-step experiment. They entangled the qubits first, such as whatever occurs to one affects the other, and then they utilized micro-radio pulses to evolve the quantum computer's initial order into a more sophisticated state. I told you this wasn't easy, but bear with me. Success not guaranteed because quantum mechanics is about probability. In a two-qubit quantum computer, however, the algorithm accomplished a leap 85% of the time. Three qubits, the success rate decreased to around 50%, which the scientists blamed on flaws in current quantum computers. The results, exciting, but don't go buying a flux capacitor just yet. Experiment also illustrates manipulating even a simulated particle in time is incredibly difficult. Our ability to produce such an external force to influence even one quantum wave right now is very limited. To time reverse even a single quantum particle is impossible for nature by itself. The system comprising two particles even more irreversible let alone the eggs, combining billions of particles we break to prepare an omelet. So, but they have successfully sent a single quantum particle back in time. Everything starts with the first step, folks, and this is an amazing first step. They've done it. Time travel, technically, has been accomplished. I told you weird stuff tonight, and this is it. Read the whole article. It gets a little complicated, but they do a good job of analyzing it and doing analogies, like the broken egg thing. So it's not, it's not, you don't have to be a scientist to read the article. It's in our show notes tonight. Check it out. It's very, very cool. Very weird. All right. Uh, what else we got tonight? Oh, <laughs> how about this one? Are you a grab driver or maybe a, pa a food panda delivery person? <laughs> Watch yourself out there. It's dangerous, and I ain't talking about the traffic. A food delivery person almost ends up in a tiger's jaws. Serious, huh? A food delivery person alleged that he was almost attacked by a tiger in Taman Bersekutu near Dungun, 69 kilometers from Kuala Tranganu last night. Uh, Mohammed Shafiq Mamat, 27 years old, said he was on his way home to Taman Permint Inda in Dungun after delivering food in the area 
when the incident took place about 8 p.m. You want to read the whole article? Subscribe. <laughs> it's in Malaysia, Kinney. Anyway, uh, it's, it's a really cool article. And this guy, yeah, he claims he was attacked by a tiger when he was on a delivery. Scary stuff. And doesn't this just lead itself nicely into our next story from uh, japaninsides.com? You may have seen this because this has gone a bit viral. The mythical rock, which apparently contains the sealed nine-tailed fox, broke in half. Locals are scared. The threat of dark forces unleashed by a vile vixen was a constant on Japan's social media this morning. Everybody on the island was talking about it. There is a renowned volcanic rock, giant rock, which theory, legend, I guess is a better word, says that this nine-tailed fox, some evil spirit, was sealed inside of it. The renowned volcanic rock believed to cause death to anyone who comes in to touch it. And it just recently, in the last few days, broke in half. Yeah, this legend has gone back forever. The mythology of the Seisho Seki, known as the Killing Stone. The rock contains Tamamo no Mae's transformed body. This attractive woman was involved in a plot the feudal warlord hatched to take down Emperor Toba, who ruled from 1107 to 1123. Legend says her real identity was a frightened nine-tailed fox. His spirit, buried in this hunk of lava, which is situated in an area of the Tochigi prefecture in the vicinity of Tokyo, well known for hot sulfurous springs. The fragmentation into two nearly equal pieces is thought to have occurred in the last few days, and online users are scared. Take a look. There's the rock. And it has split almost right down the middle. The stone continuously releases poisonous gas, hence the name, according to the legend. Believed to have been destroyed, its spirit was sucked out by the Buddhist monk who scattered the fragments throughout Japan, and there are many Japanese who think its home is located on the slopes of Nazu. People who visit the region, a well-known tourist location, were horrified over the weekend when witnesses shared photos of the stone that had been broken and a rope, which was tied around its length, laid on the surface. I think one Twitter user wrote, I've witnessed something that shouldn't be there. That tweet alone has racked up nearly 170,000 reactions. There's the, there's the note on Twitter. Anyway, some believe the spirit of uh, Tam Tamamo no Mai was brought back after more than a thousand years. Local news uh, claimed that cracks were appearing a few years ago, which could have allowed rainwater to enter and weaken the rock, and designated a local historic site in 1957. Featured in Matsuo Basho's classic work, The Narrow Road to the Deep North, and created a no-play, a novel, and an anime film. Uh, there you go. So anyway, 
the rock that supposedly contains this awful evil death-inducing spirit has broken in half. You may want to watch your back. Yeah, I told you. We've got a collection of weird stuff tonight. Not the least of which, not to be outdone, Malaysia had its own weird one. Did we have an aurora? Do we have an aurora borealis in Malaysia? Well, netizens were amused and amazed by pictures of a green sky in Pulau Pangkor. But it's not what it seems. Check that out. Isn't that beautiful? Looks like the northern lights, but that's, of course, kind of impossible in Malaysia. Uh, Although it might not be strange to see snow in some parts. Mount Kinabalu just had some snow uh, this past week. But an aurora in Malaysia. Netizens recently found themselves stunned after Twitter user Zarin recently shared surreal pictures of an emerald green night sky. Managed to take off the coast of uh, Pangkor Island in Perak. On her Twitter post, she said the sky turned out to be so beautiful, but we're not sure of its source. It looked like the northern lights, but it seems impossible. Uh, There's her picture uh, that she shared on Twitter. That is a very beautiful picture, and that does look a bit like like a northern lights type of shot. Well, the uh, Malaysian Meteorological Department, she asked them and the public if anybody knows what this was. Turns out it's not quite as interesting as the Northern Lights. Although we'd probably love for it to be the Aurora, the viral image cleared up by netizens to be the effect of what's called squid jiggling. Yes, we jiggle our squids here in Malaysia. (laughs) Don't ask. Anyway, okay, I'll tell you. Squid jiggling is illuminating the water with colored lights. And fishermen have been doing this for years and years. It attracts the squid to come up to the surface where they net them and catch them. And uh, they, of course, stay down at depth normally. And then when they see these colored lights, either blue or green, the squid come up to the surface. And that's the end of the squid. It's done by big vessels with hugely bright LED lights, either blue or green, to attract the squids. And uh, squid season usually around the months of April and August. And every season, fishermen and tourists venture out to sea in search of them. There you go. There's a picture of the lights. And that is what caused this. (laughs) So a relatively easy explanation for what was a beautiful picture. Be nice if we had northern lights, wouldn't it? Turns out, we were just squid jiggling, which... Sounds like something that you're not supposed to do. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm not going to go there or I'm going to get in serious trouble. Okay. Hang on. Miko coffee break time. Mm. Hey, the first link in our show notes is a link to our show merchandise. It's got our logo. It's got Miko on it. It's not just coffee mugs. we got T-shirts, ball caps, uh, all kinds of cool caps, actually. Mouse pads, stickers, notebooks, you name it. It's all got our friend Miko's picture on it and, of course, our show logo. So if you want to help support the show, just check out the description down below. And our podcast, too, by the way. Not just our live video and our replay videos, but our podcast. Thank you so much. Again, 
we're in the hundreds of downloads on our podcast. I'm amazed, but thank you. We love you so much. And if you want to find our podcast, it's this audio portion of our show, just the audio, wherever you find your podcast. You have a normal channel, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, wherever it is, Geo7. Just search I'm Not Wearing Pants. You'll see that show logo, and that's us. Hit the subscribe button. You got it. It'll come right to your right to your device every week. Hey, love this story. Thank you, India, by the way. I know we've got a great audience in our podcast through uh, Geo7 over in uh, India, and we really love you guys. Appreciate you so much. And you are an amazing group of people. Take a look at this incredible story. India's first ambulance for street animals has been launched in Chennai. This is just, oh man, this is amazing. This program is going to be a hospital on wheels. It has an onboard veterinarian to provide on-site treatment to either injured or sick street animals. If there is one thing the Indians do well, and they do a lot well, it is their respect for animals. And this is just another amazing example of it. Check out the link in our show notes tonight. It's our description down below. Uh, they have put together the first ambulance for street animals. This warms my heart to no end. Wow. That is absolutely amazing. Not a whole lot of other details, just a picture and a headline here, but uh, you'll find the link in our show notes tonight, and please do check it out. Give them a like. Let them know you support what they do over there. That is absolutely incredible. That's amazing. Thank you, India. Wow. All right, what else we got tonight? Uh, oh, okay, yeah. You know the story of Camelot, the sword and the stone, King Arthur? Well, I got a picture. I really do. Weird But True is the name of the site. You can check out the link in our show notes. Look at that. That is a sword, and that is a stone. Now, it's been encased in glass, but it is a sword and a stone. The legendary uh, sword and the stone of uh, San Galgano is a medieval sword buried in a stone at the Monteseppi Chapel in Tuscany, Italy. Uh, this, however, is not a reference to King Arthur mythology, but rather to the story of a saint. One of the most well-known British tales is that of King Arthur with his stone sword. According to tradition, King Arthur defeated the Saxons and established an empire that composed of Great Britain, Ireland, Iceland, and Norway. The knight sat at a round table with no headboard, symbolizing equality for everyone. They were individuals who won the highest order of cavalry at court. According to tradition, the Excalibur was a magical sword carved into a rock by an ancient monarch and believed could only be retrieved by the true ruler of Great Britain. Many tried unsuccessfully to pull the sword out of the stone, when Arthur emerged, he was able to pull it out. He was subsequently crowned and elevated to the throne as a result. Well, not to be outdone, Monteseppi Chapel in uh, Monteseppi, Italy. On the mountaintop, the sword and the stone is a primary attraction. Check that out. 
A similar lesser-known narrative found at the church, tiny town in the province of Siena, Italy, Tuscany's region, uh, which many credit as the basis for the British mythology. And uh, the church erected in 1183, distinguished by a brick-based spherical design. But they have this stone. And uh, the church's history is intertwined with that of the knight Galgano Guidotti, who buried his sword in a stone, intending to use it as a cross for prayers, made a vow to God that he would never use it again, he would never again lift his weapon against anyone, and then lived as a hermit for 11 months in the deepest of devotion and humility. So no real legend behind this, except for that of someone who gave up his sword for God. So, weird story. The whole, all the details and all are in the article, which you can read in our show notes tonight. Very, very cool story. All right. What else we got? We got one or two more, and then we're going to move on to our book. Um, again, same site, weird but true. Uh, 11 of the most mysterious archaeological discoveries ever made. Yes, it's a little clickbaity. Just bear with me. It's kind of interesting. Check this out. Look at that knife. Look at that. Again, if you're listening on the podcast, you'll have to check out the link. You can see the pictures or just check out our video on rumble.com. Just look for Jay Sheldon or I'm Not Wearing Pants. You'll find it over there. YouTube also, Facebook, twitch.tv. All right. Best-selling author Graham Hancock has said we are a species with amnesia. Most scholars would agree with that quote. As long as the human race has existed, we've tried to understand our origins and life meaning. The more we search, the more we realize how little we understand our origins. <laughs> Thanks to countless archaeological discoveries, we're beginning to understand humankind's history is a little more complex than we ever imagined. Deep ventilation well in Derinkuyu underground city. Weird, that is deep. In Turkey, mind-bending underground city was excavated and built thousands of years ago. It was a fascinating achievement of ancient engineering skills. Somehow the ancients managed to excavate several hundred meters into the Earth's surface and building what is now considered the largest underground city on the planet. Some experts theorize the city was built to protect the ancient people from climate change. Yeah, all the way back then. The Lanyu Caves, a series of artificially carved caves, date back more than 2,000 years, apparently excavated by human hands. They were only discovered in 1992. 24 caves found to date, one of which has been developed as a tourist attraction. How about that? Interestingly, to date, not a single historic record has been found of the details or explains the construction process that involved removing a million cubic meters of rock. Holy crap. Check this out. Stone sphere excavated in Costa Rica. It looks like just the top of this, probably what was exposed here, where it's discolored. And this is what they've excavated. But this is a perfectly round, massive stone ball obviously was not created that way by nature very weird this article is so it talks about the pyramids uh this 
massive split with laser-like precision that goes straight down the center of this rock. And all these kind of odd archaeological discoveries. Read that. It's, it, this kind of stuff fascinates me. I hope it does you too. It's an amazing article. Yeah, the site is uh, Weird But True. And the link, again, is in our show notes tonight. You want to check that out and see, uh, see more details about all the strange and mysterious stuff going on over there. All right. And one more. And I'm going to get in trouble for this. I know I am. Because you're going to mishear what I say. But I'm going to say it anyway. It's an article, again, in our show notes. You can read it yourself. Just maybe not read it out loud if there's other people around. Because it's a mysterious piece of sophisticated technology that could rewrite history. And it's called the Schitt's Disc. No, I... I was going to say something. I'll get in trouble. I kid you not. It is called the Schist Dick Disc. <laughs> there I go. I knew I was going to do that. All right. Throw the picture. Schitt's Disc, mysterious piece of sophisticated technology. Scientists are not sure what they're dealing with. Uh, researchers don't know what kind of extraordinary object this is. The peculiar object created about 5,000 years ago appears to be a part of a component of an ancient unknown advanced mechanism of some kind. Let me show you a picture here. Check it out. Look at that. Very weird. Actually, you know what? It looks like the inside of an ancient washing machine. Um, mysterious prehistoric artifact, many consider a device, was made in the tomb of Prince Sabu, uh, 31 to 3000 B.C., Famous British Egyptologist Walter Brian Emery discovered this. Saba was the son of Pharaoh Anabziba and a high official or administrator of a town, possibly called the Star of the Family of Horus. This is the Schist Disc. I gotta be careful. It remains an unexplained mystery. No, the burial chamber had no stairway. Superstructure was completely filled with sand and stone vessels, flint knives, arrows, a few copper tools, and most interesting, this weird-looking thing that they call the schist disc in fragments. This is it put back together. Very odd. Very, very odd. Anyway, it goes on to talk about what they think the original use of the device might have been. There's another picture of it here. It really does not look like I don't know, it couldn't have been a shield. It would have been pretty useless with the openings all around it. But uh, a wheel, maybe? I suppose? I don't know. Anyway, they talk about theories about what they think it might be. So do check it out. The link is in our, uh, in our show notes tonight. Yes, thank you for your... Would you like to subscribe to our newsletter? No, thank you. All right. So there you go. That is uh, all the weird stuff we're going to cover tonight. I told you. It's just a collection of crap. That's what we do here. That's what you pay us money for. Actually, no, you don't pay us money for it. It's completely free. All right. You know what? I'm going to move this because I noticed it was a bit in the way last time. Okay, here we go. Uh, we're going to read our book. We read the books on this show. The last thing we fill up our uh, our little live stream and podcast with is uh, uh, classic books. We've done all of them. Well, 
We've done a bunch of them. The Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Christmas Carol. Uh, we've done so many classic books. We read them from the beginning all the way to the end, and then we move on to another one. And for the last, I don't know, 12 years, it seems, we've been doing Tom Sawyer. It is a very long book written by Mark Twain back in 1876. As we always do, we give you fair warning because this book was written in 1876, a different time than we live in these days. And some of the words used in this book, for example, the N-word, is in the book. Because back in 1876, it was an acceptable word. It isn't today. We are, however, reading the book the way it was written. That includes a few things that today are considered offensive. If that sort of thing offends you, you might want to mosey on to some other thing for the next 15 minutes or so. And then uh, we can come back. I'm sure for the most part, it doesn't really offend you all that much. Again, we're reading the book exactly the way it was written. So those words appear. We'll read them that way. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Here we go. It's chapter 27 in The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. The adventure of the day mightily tormented Tom's dreams that night. Four times he had his hands on that rich treasure, and four times... It wasted to nothingness in his fingers, as slept forsook him, and wakefulness brought back the hard reality of his misfortune. As he lay in the early morning, recalling the incidents of his great adventure, he noticed that they seemed curiously subdued and far away, somewhat as if they'd happened in another world or in a time long ago by. Then it occurred to him that the great adventure itself must be a dream. There was one very strong argument in favor of this idea, namely that the quantity of coin he'd seen was too vast to be real. He'd never seen as much as $50 in one mass before, and he was like all the boys of his age and station in life that he imagined that all references to hundreds and thousands were merely fanciful forms of speech. No such sums really existed in the world. He never had supposed for a moment that so large a sum as a hundred dollars was to be found in actual money in anyone's possession. If his notions of hidden treasure had been analyzed, they would have been found to consist of a handful of real dimes and a bushel of vague, splendid, ungraspable dollars. But the incident of his adventure grew sensibly sharper and clearer under the attrition of thinking them over, and so he presently found himself leaning to the impression that the thing might not have been a dream after all. This uncertainty must be swept away. He would snatch a hurried breakfast and go and find Huck. Huck, was sitting on the gunwale of a flatboat, listlessly dangling his feet in the water and looking very melancholy. Tom concluded to let Huck lead up to the subject. If he did not do it, then the adventure would be proved to have only been a dream. Hello, Huck. Hello yourself. Silence for a minute. Tom? If we'd a left blame tools of the dead tree, we'd a got the money. 
Oh, ain't that awful. Taint a dream then. Taint a dream. Somehow I most wished it was. Dogged if I don't hook. What ain't a dream? Oh, that thing yesterday. I've been half thinking it was. Dream? If them stairs hadn't broken down, you'd have seen how much dream it was. I've had enough an all night with dreams, with that patch-eyed Spanish devil going for me all through them. Rot him. No, not rot him. Find him. Track the money. Tom, we'll never find him. A feller don't have only one chance for such a pile, and that one's lost. I feel mighty shaky if I was to see him anyway. Well, so would I, but I'd like to see him anyway. Track him out to his number two. Number two, yes, that's it. I've been thinking about that. Now, I can't make nothing of it. What do you reckon it is? Mm, I don't know. It's too deep. Say, say, Huck, maybe it's the number of a house. Oh, goody. No, no, Tom, that ain't it. If it is, it ain't in this one-horse town. There ain't no numbers here. Well, that's so. Now, let me think about it a minute. Here, it's the number of a room in a tavern, you know. Oh, that's the trick. There ain't only two taverns. We find out real quick. You stay here, Huck, till I come. Tom was off at once. He did not care to have Huck company in public places. He was gone half an hour. He found that in the best tavern, number two had long been occupied by a, a young lawyer and was still so occupied. In the less ostentatious house, number two was a mystery. The tavern's keeper's young son says it was kept locked all the time, and he never saw anybody go into it or come out of it except at night. He did not know any particular reason for this state of things. He had some little curiosity, but it was rather feeble, and made the most of the mystery by entertaining himself with the idea that the room was haunted, had noticed that there was a light in there the night before. That's what I found out, Huck. I reckon that's the very number two we're after. Who I reckon it is, Tom. Now what are you going to do? Mm, let me think. Tom thought a long time. And then he said, I tell you, that back door number two is the door that comes out into that little close alley between the tavern and the old rattle trap of a brick store. Now you get a hold of all the door keys you can find. And I'll nip all the aunties in the first dark night. We'll go there and we'll try them. Mind you, Keep a lookout for Injun Joe, because he said he was going to drop into town and spy around once more for a chance to get his revenge. If you see him, you just follow him. And if he don't go to that number two, that ain't the place. Lordy, I don't want to follow him by myself. Why, it'll be night, sure. He might never see you. And if he did, maybe he'd never think again. Well, if it's pretty dark, I reckon I'd track him. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'll try. You bet I'll follow him, Mrs. If it's dark, Huck. 
Why, he might have found out he couldn't get his revenge. Be going right after that money. If so, Tom, it's so. I'll follow him. I will, by jingos. Now you're talking. Don't you ever weaken, Huck. And I won't either. And that's chapter 27. <laughs> we'll continue on with chapter 28 in our next stream coming up on Monday night. The Adventures of Tom Sawyer continue. All right, folks, that's going to do it for me. Uh, thanks for the ride. Thanks for jumping along. I will see you again on uh, Monday night at 10 o'clock Malaysian time. Thank you so much. I absolutely love my little cliff keychain. It is absolutely beautiful. Thank you. And thank you, Juan and Ray, for a wonderful dinner and uh, no straight roads. There you go. <laughs> we had a great time. All right, folks. See you then on, uh, on Monday night at 10. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon. And I'm not wearing pants. Be sure you like, subscribe, and follow. Good night. Snort. <laughs>